The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. With Colour Trend Paint on News Talk. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Home Show podcast with me, Sinead Ryan, coming up on this episode. We'll be chatting to Alexandra Ryan from Goss.ie about building a sustainable capsule wardrobe. Eco-builder Harrison Gardner on retrofitting. We'll be finding out about an interesting project which turns old aircraft parts into craft products in Mexico and tips on turning a childhood bedroom into a teen den with Arlene McIntyre. If you'd like to get involved in our podcasts, well then do drop us a line at thehomeshow at newstalk.com and we are happy to look at all your suggestions uh, for guests and topics you'd like us to cover. I'm over on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100. You're very welcome along today. But before all that, lots of you I know have been enjoying our summer series on historic Irish houses and it's been very enjoyable uh, talking to owners and curators of so many special homes around the country. Now you might remember we featured Johnstown Castle in Wexford at the very beginning uh, but we've an exciting update and telling me all about it is the CEO of the Irish Heritage Trust, Anne O'Donoghue. Anne, what have you discovered since you were last in with us? Good morning, Sinead. Yeah, Heritage Week, uh, I suppose, kicked off with a little bit of a surprise for us. Uh, most of the phone calls I get with surprises are about dry rot, wet rot, pests and all of that sort of stuff. On this occasion, it was to let me know that we had discovered a secret room in a turreted wing of Johnstown Castle. So, Gosh, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's that's seems... Like, it's very exciting and it's it must be magical to come across something like that. It's surprising, though, because this is a castle you know well. It's been in the, you know, open to the public for years. How did you miss it? I suppose, Sinead, it's, it's sometimes it's about counting the number of windows on the outside okay. and seeing if the yeah. footprint inside matches what's yeah. outside. Yeah. And that, in a way, is what happened here. Um, we have a programme ongoing to a conservation-led refurbishment of about 80 windows, which started last March nearly finished and the joiner in question was removing the window from outside, took a peek. We thought it was a false window because in the past sometimes people removed windows or just had false windows because you paid off in taxes by window. Of course. And, and just to even in. out the look. Yeah. Correct. It's for symmetry. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he took a look and went, oh my goodness, there's a bricked interior. And uh, so immediately then in line with conservation practice, they did videoing and all that sort of stuff and reported back to us. So we took a little pause and then decided we would do some opening up works from the room with which... The inside out. The inside out. From the inside. Um, And of course, I know some people might say, well, that's not really good conservation practice. But we had determined at that point that actually there were concrete blocks uh, in the wall that had blocked it off. So that dated it for us. Okay, of course, because they wouldn't have had concrete blocks Correct. back in whenever, yeah. hundreds of years ago Mid-19th that they did this. Century okay. or whatever, so yeah. somebody had taken a decision to board this up at some point. Correct. Do you know what the room was used for? We are at this point only speculating. It could have been for many things. It is off a bedroom, a beautiful bedroom in the castle. So it's possible it could have been a dressing room, a room for a young servant. Or uh, I was recently on a trip to Yorkshire and I saw such a room and it was set out as actually like a writing room. So if you were struck by inspiration in the middle of the night, you could just pick up your pen and start writing. Um, So it could have been uh, any one of a multitude of uses. But what we will do, and it's what we always do, is we'll take time, we'll do a bit of research and we will present it to people who come and visit, as Mm. we do usually. We have other turreted rooms. And by the way, it's about three metre diameter. So if we were, and it's circular. So if you took a box room in today's modern house, 
probably equivalent, About just a different shape okay. with two beautiful windows. OK, so it's very possible it was just an annex to the room that was already there for whatever purposes. Walk-in wardrobes were all the rage back in the medieval there you times. Go. Everybody <laughs> needs one of those. <laughs> Indeed. OK, so so that's it. So is there a possibility now, Anne, that there are more of these or are you sure now? Are we done now <laughs> with Johnstown Castle? Our heritage properties <laughs> are the gifts that never stop giving. In Photo House in Cork, a couple of years ago, we were tackling a big problem with dry rot in the library and we discovered we thought there was a huge false window at the front of the house turned out to be the most incredible picture window which had been covered over in the mid-19th century we believe uh, to cater for a growing supply of books in the library for the owner so you know I can't say that we won't have more surprises actually if they're like this surprise I hope they just Continue keep to come. on coming, and yeah, I know near closer to home for myself, uh, yes. Rathfarnham Castle. Yes, they had also discovered uh, some secret. Uh, room some time back yeah. uh, and I yeah. think there were nefarious purposes for which it was used or something like that. So it just shows you it does. You, you can know this stuff, you can have been in the castle for mm-hmm. you know many many decades and indeed have it open to the public and there are still things that uh, that you don't yes. know. Yes and, and we just love the fact that every time you come back hopefully we've uncovered another bit of the history. This week is Heritage Week and the theme is Living History yeah. and I just feel it's so on the button, really, because yeah. we're able to we're able to live it and share it and discuss yeah. it. And we're not we can't present a fait accompli because, of course, we need to figure it out ourselves. Yeah. But uh, we do hope that people will come over time and get to enjoy and see as we uncover the stories. And restore it. All right. Well, listen, Anne O'Donoghue, thank you for coming in from the Irish Heritage Trust and bringing us up to date. How exciting. My pleasure. <laughs> thank you. Now, we're coming into a new season, a time when many of us will be buying our autumn clothes and maybe a couple of party dresses or a new coat, uh, some of which you'll wear a lot of and some might end up at the back of the wardrobe, uh, occasionally still with the tags on it. Well, I recently came across a fast fashion statistic that said the average piece of clothing is only worn seven to ten times before it is chucked out. and, And that's really quite shocking. And some of it ends up in landfill, which we don't like. So there's a lot to be said for building a capsule wardrobe with clothes that you know you'll wear for years to come, uh, but not too many of them. And my next guest, Alexandra Ryan from Goss.ie, is giving us some tips on how to do it. You're very welcome back to the studio, Alexandra. Yeah, thank you. It's nice to see you. Now, let's start off by describing what's in a capsule, a capsule. wardrobe. So yeah, I think this is hard because I want to start off by saying like I, I kind of get annoyed when everyone's like you have to be sustainable all the time because it's not realistic, like it's not possible and I think as well people with different income streams can really struggle with being sustainable. Like there's, I try so hard to be sustainable all the time and I have tried to build a capsule wardrobe and I'm still doing it now but it is very difficult when, for example, you might get like a suit from um, an Irish designer that could be like 400 euros but it's sustainable it's made by hand here it's amazing but you wear it like three times or you could buy a suit from Boohoo and it's 50 quid and you wear it 10 times so I do understand that that can be really difficult in people's heads to spend more money but I think with the capsule wardrobe you're looking for things that you will absolutely wear more than three times Okay so So. this is about 
colours and styles that yeah. all mix and match never go with out each of other. style yeah okay. and never go out of style like okay. for me I'd say the first capsule in inverted commas item I bought without even knowing it was like a winter coat a camel winter coat mm. it literally never goes out of style like I can think back to 15 years ago and I would have probably bought cheaper camel coats back then but about three years ago I bought an expensive sustainably made one and it's the only one that I use every single winter. So winter coats is a really good one because I feel like everyone struggles to find the perfect one but mm-hmm. when they find it they wear it a lot yeah. and that's where the sustainability side kind of can easily seep in because you can just go to a brand that it is a little bit more expensive because you want it to be durable as well and you want it to last. So winter coats is one of them for me. I think a camel one or a long black one they never go out of style. Okay. With the capsule wardrobe I think you should be careful not to jump on trends like for example maybe don't put in some shoulder pads in there because we don't know if in three <laughs> years time it's yeah. still going to be there. But another easy one is a blazer. Like a really nice blazer that can go over jeans, that can go over work pants. Like I think blazers as well. Any of the blazers I wear now, I've had them for years. Like I don't really buy blazers often. Mm. I buy nice ones, good quality ones and I keep them there. So a black blazer can go with everything. Okay, so so what I'm getting here is that, you know, you're, you're checking your sustainability in cost per wear yes. rather than the cost. Uh, yeah. You know, if you can keep it a long time. And also you mentioned there, camel and black, which yes. seems to me that the essence of a capsule wardrobe are neutral colours. Definitely, definitely. Because the minute you introduce a check or pattern or colour, yeah. you're kind of dating it immediately, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. Now for me, I love pink. So there's a lot of pink in my wardrobe that keeps going. So I suppose if you have a colour that you love. It's the colour of the year, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> I know, with Barbie. Um, I think I always call it like a goss pink because I'm like, it's not like the brand. But if you have a colour that you love, like for example, if you look really good in a yellow and you wear it often, then you can introduce that into your yeah, capsule wardrobe. Yeah, like if it's yeah. genuinely something you wear all the time shoes is another easy one because I think with the capsule wardrobes people are trying to justify the price because we're saying here let's shop sustainable and don't rebuy the same thing but shoes are a handy one because you think if any parents are listening like when you're buying shoes for your kids you'll normally most people will try and get ex- a little bit more expensive durable sh- school shoes mm. right mm. I remember that when I was a kid like we'd get the normal kind of cheap runners or whatever but if it was school shoes we got the durable ones and they were good ones and I actually remember one uh, time my sister got um, a car ran over her foot <gasps> and it was a shoe from Clark's I'll never forget it brought her to hospital and everything not a bruise on her because literally the shoe was <laughs> so durable. So I think it's another easy one to look at in a sustainable way because shoes, especially when you've grown up and you're not you know, changing field size, boots, like boots are something that I keep. Again, I, I suppose a lot of this is kind of autumn but people will be looking for autumn shopping now. But like winter boots, so like knee-high, thigh-high boots, I have used the same boots for the last four years. And in terms of, of the colour again, so are you looking at black, black or brown leather or... I think black or brown is the safest one. Okay. Cream was really big last year in boots and I think yeah, it's coming going, in this year as well. To get, that's going to get dirty in Yeah, time, very in hard to keep them. I think dark brown and black are the two okay. best ones. And the, the other thing that can go into your capsule is scarves. Again, like a nice designer scarf or a scarf by an Irish designer that you know is sustainably made, they will last a lifetime. And that's where you can get your colour pop as well. Exactly. So you could have, so when you're building up then your capsule, you have your coat, you have your boots, you have a blazer. Uh, so trousers then, yeah. again, keep them to that colour palette, is it? Yeah, well, I always have, I suppose in terms of capsule for me, I would have two sorts of pants. So one would be a really good pair of jeans 
jeans that you literally won't grow out of. I know it's hard sometimes for losing weight or gaining weight. You might. So there are uh, sort, of, sort of denims that are stretchy that you can just keep. Like I have a pair of jeans that are a little bit stretchy. So if I went up or down, it wouldn't mm. matter. But a good pair of jeans and then black pants is my other one because they're perfect for work. You can wear them on a night out and they go with all the items I've already said. So let's say it's daytime and you need to do a few bits in town. You have your jeans, the black blazer, the camel coat or it's nighttime, you can put on the boots, the black pants, the blazer and the camel okay, coat. So okay. it keeps going. And yeah, I think with if you're looking for more colours, because some people don't like having only neutrals. Now, I'm a neutral person. Other than the pink, my entire wardrobe would be like brown, cream and black. Like my a- absolute capsule stuff yeah, would be those colours. Yeah, but wh- what that means is then you can pull out any t-shirt, yeah. any pants, for a pop of colour with You know, it. a jacket, yeah. a blazer and, and everything will go. So it's you're yeah. not agonising no, over what to go with that. And I like yeah. wear a lot of black but then I wear gold jewellery so it's small little things but I would kind of kind of have gold as my pop sometimes or I might have a green scarf or something that would go mm. with the black to kind of make it pop. But it is hard and I don't want to be saying it as if like I don't shop because I do. Like I mean, I think we're all struggling to be more sustainable other than you Sinead. You were like the queen of sustainability. Well no, I'm just a bit mean actually. I, I'm queen of mean maybe. Um, <laughs> no, I I decided this year um, and and I wrote about, you know, deciding to, to just not replace stuff that was yeah. going out. Now, that was more a decluttering thing because yeah. I was just horrified by the... I moved all my stuff into a different wardrobe that's and it shocking. took up the whole wardrobe. And yeah. that, that's alongside my actual wardrobe for the for the current season. I was just thinking, what kind of, of waste is that? So I took everything out, put it on the bed and anything that hadn't been worn in the season which was appropriate yeah. for it, got chucked in one of three bags, Gone. one for the charity shop, which happily is the biggest bag, one for the clothes bank and one that for the bin. <laughs> because one, even, yeah, it's hard. It, it you is know, hard. Nobody would want it. And it was, it was hard, mm. but it was ruthless. But I think the second piece is then being very picky about replacing the stuff because you get giddy yeah. when you throw stuff out and you think, oh, I have a whole load and of space in the wardrobe. Again. <laughs> but I think as well for people who are struggling and maybe you know, they do really want to be buying uh, new things. They want to be in the new seasons. I think it's just how we recycle and reuse things. So like there are high street stores that actually facilitate recycling. So for example, H&M, I don't know if you've seen it, they have recycling bins in their stores. So you can bring clothes in, put them in the bin. Sometimes you get a voucher to spend, but it's mainly because they have a conscious collection in H&M where they create garments from clothes that have been recycled by customers. So more and more high street stores are starting to do that because I don't want people to feel guilty for like going into pennies and buying something. Like there are ways to buy stuff for your kids or for yourself on pennies that are cheap but then be very careful how you get rid of it like for example like I moved house recently so I did the same thing as you I got rid of so much and mine was 10 times worse than yours trust me I have my own <laughs> well, wardrobe well that's because you're 10 times more fashionable oh, but I have my own wardrobe <laughs> and I have a wardrobe room so like I have so many clothes now a lot of them would be pieces I rewear. like they'd be dresses they'd be red carpet things they'd be expensive suits so I don't want to get rid of them so a lot of them would technically be capsule but a lot of them wouldn't um, and there's so many good ways to recycle clothes like for example like even charities, homeless charities in particular coming up to Christmas around winter time. If you've just coats you don't want to wear anymore, like literally that's a coat for somebody. Um, women's shelters and stuff, they're always dying out for clothes. And then there's the charity shops. And then I also do the actual recycling. So there's the clothing bank, but there are the stores. I know Boohoo, even online, which obviously is fast fashion, a lot of people are against. They have like a swap shop now where if you've bought something and you've only worn it a couple of times, you don't really want it. They're like, don't throw it out. Give it back to us. Yeah, and there are other websites like that have brilliant secondhand offers, Thriftify and, you know, even with kids 
designer stuff that they're yeah. going to wear for five minutes. So true. And, and you spent a load on it, Tommy and, Hilfiger t-shirt And I think rental is, especially for mm. me in my business and what I do, like going to events all the time, it's very hard to be like, Ali, don't buy this year because I'm like, um, I have like four premieres coming up next month. What am I going to wear? But there's so many good rentals. So greens are good for you, two young girls. They're amazing. They have a really good uh, store with really nice designer stuff. Um, Happy Days in Sandyford is gone. Is mm-hmm. a good one as well. Brown Thomas have it now as well. In Dundrum, in yes. their new store, they have a rental. Really a nice rental designer bit. Designer that would probably piece. cost you about fifteen hundred euro to buy it, but you can rent it for a couple of hundred. So there are all these initiatives that, like, if you're listening and you're like, "Oh, I love fashion, but I do want to be better," like there are ways to do it to declutter. Firstly, like you, so you'll feel better about it. To give back and not feeling guilty about buying things or renting something because you know, okay, this is going back. Or when you're buying it, you're using the bins in H&M or you're giving it to a charity. I think what we need to stop is just the wastage. That's the problem we've had up until this point. You'd literally just throw everything into the bin. Oh, I don't want these runners. I don't want this scarf. But now so many companies, I know some people argue it's maybe greenwashing, but so many companies genuinely do. They'll take your scarf, they'll take your textiles and they will make something out of it. And that Mm. could be homeware, it could be clothing, but they're under pressure as much as we are under pressure to do well. And there's there's lots of boxes that they want ticked in. Yeah. terms of that, that yeah. sustainability piece. All right. So capsule wardrobe, um, stick with the neutrals. Yes. Get yourself good jacket, good boots, good coat. Yes. Two pairs of really good jeans yeah. and trousers. And you can throw a tee in there. I think and one, then the one sort of tee. Yeah. I would only go white though or black. I wouldn't because again, we don't know what's going to be in or out. But a nice plain t-shirt that can go under those jeans or it can go under your work pants. I actually really love... Um, high-waisted work pants as well that have a little tie on them. They're, I've I literally had the same pants for five years now mm. and I got them from the H&M Conscious Collection so I rewear that all the time. But because there's a tie on it, if I gain weight, if I lose weight, I can keep them. And I think that's something you have to think about. Yeah, exactly. Because we all have those times during yeah. the month during yeah. the year yeah. where our weight fluctuates and, and it's okay not to beat ourselves up over no. that and just go up a size, down a and size that's or, or allow the capsule because you don't want people being like oh that doesn't fit me anymore so yeah go for stretchy materials. Exactly. All right. Well listen as always a plethora of suggestions <laughs> from Alexandra Ryan of Goss.ie who always uh, hits the nail on the head oh. with her fashion <laughs> uh, forward tips. Uh, so thanks a million for coming in Alexandra. <laughs> Now, according to new research, 76% of Irish homeowners have or plan to make their home more energy efficient with a home retrofit. And almost half say reducing energy bills is the main reason. And who can blame them? <laughs> because they're so high. Well, I'm joined now by eco-builder and author of Build Your Own, Harrison Gardner, who's teamed up with Chadwick's and your retrofit.ie to help provide a one-stop shop with advice on everything you need to know before embarking on your project. And Harrison joins me now. Uh, Harrison, welcome to the Home Show. Hi, Sinead. Thank you so much for having me. Now, talk to me a little bit about this uh, tie-up, this project. Yeah, absolutely. The, the partnership between Chadwick's and your retrofit that I'm, I'm helping with is really about educating homeowners and helping homeowners educate themselves about their homes, about the options that are available to them. And, and what, what's been done with the Your Retrofit platform is create a space where homeowners can start exploring and start finding out answers about their unique, specific home without having to feel embarrassed or feel like they don't know the right terminology, you know, that it's a totally safe space to ask those questions. Because we all know it can be a little bit intimidating trying to ask and answer those questions in in, a, in the hardware store or, or with your architect or with your engineer or with your builder when you're about to start a project. And 
And so this whole, this whole program is really about helping people find out more information about their home and what they can do to make it better. Now, of course, anybody embarking on this, it is a huge and expensive uh, project uh, for the home. And lots and lots of people, I suppose, like to say, are a little bit at sea, uh, over, uh, maybe overwhelmed about what might be ahead of them. So what kind of questions can they get answers to? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is. It, it has the potential to be a very expensive um, journey to, to begin this this journey to retrofitting our homes and always trying to aim for this uh, this A rating or this B rating. It's a bit like being in school again, where where we feel like we're failing if we're not getting these these very high marks. But really, I think what this whole thing is about, and and what the Your Retrofit platform is trying to do, is empower people with information. And and the information is free. The platform is free to use. People can go on. They can put in the details of their specific home. They can find out what the last BER rating said. They can see suggested um, work that could be done to improve their home, to improve the energy efficiency. And sometimes that's something as simple as changing out the light bulbs for LED light bulbs, which seems so simple, but it does make a huge difference on your overall energy bills or insulating your attic if you have insufficient or poor insulation up there. And, and the platform will suggest the works that you can do. And then if you're ready to take the next step, but you're still not ready to invest any money, but you want to learn a little bit more, Chadwick's now have a consultation uh, spot in many of their branches where homeowners can go in and talk to a representative who will give them answers to those questions. It's a desk that's specifically designed for homeowners who are trying to figure out what all this retrofitting means, what things are applicable to them, what materials they should be using. And then the Your Retrofit app can even connect you with local tradespeople who are registered SEAI installers who might be able to help you do the work. Now, uh, so that's good. So it means then you're, you're not committing to kind of doing a full job on your house. You can just do it piecemeal and, and bit by bit because obviously finances get in the way. Now, I saw the research Chadwick's did, which showed that just 22 percent, just over one in five people have availed of SEAI grants, even though they might have qualified for them. Why do you think people are so reluctant to go for them? Is that they're, they, they don't have a builder that's registered or they're not aware of it? or Because or, this is free money on offer. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's, it's free money, but you, you've got to spend some money to get there. And I think for a lot of people, if, if it's not broken, we don't fix it, which is totally understandable. And, and I think the step-by-step approach to retrofitting houses is really the most viable option for most people. I don't think anyone should be going out and getting a, a top up on their mortgage or getting a loan out to do this work on their house if if their house is functioning and serving them as it is. Mm-hmm. I, I think we really need to put the people first. We need to put our needs first. And in the end, the most important thing is that is that we have shelter and that it's keeping us as warm as we can within our means. Mm-hmm. And and as we keep improving these homes and, and investing more into them, they become warmer, they become more efficient, they do start saving us money compared to the money we're losing in the heat that's seeping out the, the leaking doors and windows Indeed. or out for our attic Indeed. or wherever and, we're using it. And I suppose it has an added emphasis now as we head towards the autumn and winter uh, where people will start to really feel uh, that, that excess energy being used. Harrison Gardner, now you can find out more on yourretrofit.ie, isn't that right? That's it. Absolutely. You're Super. Harrison Gardner, thanks a million for uh, joining us on the show.
Now, interior furnishings such as seat covers and curtains from aircraft being decommissioned or refitted often end up in landfill. Global aviation finance company Avalon has partnered with Soisa Aircraft Interiors, I hope I've pronounced that right, on a project called Waste to Wonder, turning scrap materials uh, from old aircraft into craft products. So to tell me now if I've got that pronunciation right uh, and more about the project is Doug Keating from Avalon. You're very welcome to the studio. Doug. Thanks Sinead. And uh, no, I think your pronunciation was, was pretty good. It took me a while. Um, yeah, I guess a bit a bit of context here. Um, if you can imagine the commercial aviation market, there are twenty four thousand jets uh, around the world, and you know they use an awful lot of materials, an awful lot of parts, and obviously an awful lot of aviation fuel. So there's a whole big sustainability story that uh, our industry needs to address. You know, from a carbon emissions point of view, that is around uh, using new technology aircraft, and we've a target to to transform our fleet to seventy five percent new tech by 2025. It's about using sustainable aviation fuel to cut down emissions. But there's also obviously uh, all this equipment that's in planes and you know planes do come to the end of their life after 20, 25 years. Uh, some of the parts will be good to be to be sold, uh, recycled into the secondhand market. But, but what we found is there's also these interior furnishings that uh, heretofore were often just being thrown away. And, and so with this project, we found a, a new way of using them. Okay, so we're looking at seats and, you know, the seat covers and maybe some of the, I've never been in first class, but I presume they have very nice uh, interiors and cushions and, and, and window uh, coverings and all that kind of thing. So wh- why have you decided or how did the project come about where they ended up in Mexico with a tribe making bags? Yeah, this is a this is a, a long story, but essentially Soisa, the, 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 the manufacturer of these materials is, is a company that we use. We're, we will take planes that might have been on lease and then after five or seven years they're being released to a new airline and they get re-kitted out and done up or we take a delivery of a new plane and it comes kind of bare and we have to put in the seats, the covers, etc. Mm. So they are our provider of these products and they are based in Chihuahua in Mexico, the biggest state in Mexico where they have a manufacturing facility. Uh, but in the, in the course of that relationship we heard that what they were doing with waste materials from their factory uh, was working with a, a local community group that was working with the Tarahumara tribe in Chihuahua, which is a, a tribe that is renowned for two things. Uh, if you're interested in running, uh, you might have read a book called Born to Run. They're renowned mm-hmm. for their ability to run huge distances, uh, endurance running, but also uh, their craftsmanship, their artisan craft products. And so Soisa were working with them, donating materials that were then being transferred transformed into a wide variety of products. Um, But what we found out is that, for example, the leather from seat covers, uh, they can transform into, for example, beautiful wallets, uh, leather bags. Uh, We have aprons. We have uh, tablecloths. Um, that that can be used. So what we did is we we launched this pilot project this year where we had planes that were being decommissioned uh, in America in a facility there. Uh, and instead of just in this tear out uh, things ending up in a skip, we said, hey, you know, let's take these out. Uh, we brought them to Mexico, gave them to Suiza, uh, and then they went into this project where there are 55 uh, people involved in this project to transform them. And then what happens is uh, there is a large store that's run in Chihuahua for visitors, for tourists, which has this amazing range of, of these beautiful products, extremely colourful, if you can imagine, uh, beautiful multicoloured edging uh, on all hand-stitched, mm. uh, lovely, sumptuous, beautiful leather. Uh, and, and so they are taking these products 
making them into these materials and it's a whole new income stream, a whole new livelihood for them. So I guess it, it's making that that thing with that buzzword of circular economy, it's really bringing yeah. it to life. It is kind of a drop of the ocean, Doug. So are, are there more plans to expand this or do other things with the yeah, so, so you're so you're right. This is very much a starting point and a pilot project, and I wouldn't like to overclaim um, for for what it's doing. Um, so I think there's two things. One, uh, we'd like to see if we can scale up this project. We're also then exploring um, some other avenues where products that, that may not have been recycled or been able to be reused can can be have more done with them. So, for example, we're looking at how plastics. Um, we have a project, a pilot project that we're starting in the Middle East that will potentially take plastics out of aircraft, uh, working with an NGO in Kenya uh, to make them into products. Uh, and there's a broader commitment we have to try to ensure that, you know, 100% of everything that comes out from an aircraft, you know, from, from landing gear, tyres, the metal that's used, the interior furnishings, uh, to get to a stage where we can say that every last bit, every last scrap is used. But but it's a, it's a journey and we have to do more. Uh, and it's really, I think the importance of this project is showing that it's, it's through partnership that you actually achieve it. Because one thing about aviation is it's got an extremely complex supply chain. People think, oh, you want a plane, you go to Boeing, you get a plane. You know, actually, you know, Boeing works with thousands of different people to put that plane together. Even then, when we take delivery, we work with dozens of different suppliers mm. to, to finalise it. And everyone in the sector needs to work together. And one thing we've done recently is, is commit to a charter where we, we will only use uh, what we call teardown facilities, the, 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 the organisations that we give a plane to that will dismantle yeah. it. We will only use ones that are accredited to AFRA, which is the body that sort of certifies that they are recycling them in a proper way. Okay. Brilliant. All right. Well, listen, um, it is a small step, as you say, but it's a step maybe of other things to come. And like many industries, uh, looking at more ways of recycling and reusing is, is exactly. We, we hope this is the everything. acorn that will grow into something more substantial. All right. Well, Doug Keating of Avalon, uh, continued success with that. Uh, and thanks for joining us in the show. like to get in touch with us during the week it's email at the home show at newstalk.com uh, now we are moving into a tricky uh, I, I'm introducing of course our interior designer Arlene McIntyre from Ventura Design but I'm thinking we may need a psychologist in the room as well because we are going to be talking about all things teenage bedrooms that difficult transition moving from a nursery a child's bedroom uh, into a teenage space Arlene you're very welcome to the show Thank you for having me. It's a very emotional experience. It is. And I'm thinking for some parents, it's also a very frustrating one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, not mentioning any parents in this room specifically, <laughs> because, you know, when when your child is a child, you design a nursery, you design their bedroom, you get the move from the cot to the big bed, you decide on the paint colour, the books, the shelves, the clothes. And suddenly you arrive at this stage where, you know, you have a different type of a child who's mm -hmm. saying get out of my room yeah <laughs> it's my room I want to do whatever I like yeah. with it and you do want to transition it into something that's that's more suitable for that age group but it can be a difficult thing definitely and when we've ever worked with this exact group where you have maybe we might meet a child say if we're working on a project and we meet the kids and perhaps they're at the age of seven a lot can change in two years time and if they're if we ask them to do a, a you know a mood board and get on Pinterest and get involved, if we look at their Pinterest board in two years when it, when it comes to the time to actually get to the decoration side of their project, they've really changed. Yeah. So their colors are bolder and they want to be more independent and you know they're kind of tapping into all the trends and it's less kind of babyish, less Paw Patrol and Peppa Pig. 
yeah. and a bit cooler. Yeah, a bit cooler. And of course, the fads and fashions when you're that age change overnight. Yeah. You you know, I mean, I know everybody's into Taylor Swift and that at the moment. That that could be, like, it won't be. Oh, Swifties, you're OK. But that, like, she could be just, you know, not fashionable in a year's time. That's and, right. and kids have kind of gone down that route and, and suddenly you, you suggest the Jungle Book as a theme and like, they're going, are you joking? Horrified. <laughs> Horrified. Yeah. So it's just to get the formula right. And then, you know, all the time you're trying to think of the parents, but you want the kids to feel totally involved. Obviously, it's their space and this is their way of expressing themselves. But the parents want everything, obviously, to be very durable and organized and, and somewhere pretty, where they can maybe exactly or and somewhere they the can study. Yeah, um, something that kind of focuses on on the big important things too, like study and getting organized mm. and not having their entire wardrobe on the floor and you know false tan and all the realities. False tan. You know, of what happens oh, in, in your teenage okay. years. <laughs> Gets everywhere, doesn't it? <laughs> the old orange streaks. Um, okay, so give us the uh, an idea then of of what kind of things kids at this age want in the room and, and how that might conflict with what parents want. And, and you're talking there about some place to study. Yes. I presume most kids want to move from a single bed to a bigger bed. Yes. Um, so do you start with just like a blank space? Definitely. Okay. So I think the best thing to do before you even tackle this project is just sketch down on a piece of paper. You don't need to be an expert to do this. Where the window is, where your door is, where your main flat wall is, where your wardrobe, where your uh, radiators are, if you have any on the walls, and where your wardrobe space is. And try and map that out. So they're the things that are you can't really move. And then work in with that. So then perhaps they'd like a double bed so that if they have, you know, a pal staying with them, they can both sleep in the bed together. Or maybe they just want a big bed all to themselves and they'd like somewhere to put a desk. Just plot out all the things that, you know, they need and that you need them to need as well to keep them organized and everything straight in that room. So good storage is key. I would always recommend underbed storage. Mm. At the moment, that's really popular. And somewhere to put a lot of, say, winter clothes or summer clothes or sports gear. It's just a, it's a great way where you can kind of use that as extra storage. It is a great way. I'm just wondering, maybe this is now not the question for you, an mm-hmm. interior designer, maybe it's one. How do you get them to use the storage? Just making it as so um, attractive to them as possible. Okay. It's about selling this room to them, really, and getting them involved and, and, and having fun with mm. it. Okay, so let so you've you've chosen right. They want a bigger bed yes. for sure. Maybe the childhood bed has gone out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, bunk beds, of course, are always popular in Definitely. that regard. Or maybe the bed on top and the desk underneath. Exactly, if it's a smaller room. Yep. Uh, so storage, make sure that it's attractive to them. So so by that, do you mean like putting maybe a seat with storage underneath it or, or built actually, in? Actually, no. Today, there's a big trend in where you can lift up your bed. Oh, and underneath okay. the bed itself is all of that hidden, the hidden storage. It's genius. Okay. So there's more and more of those models coming on the market. And it's a really great way. Okay, of, so you can keep bed, alternative bed linens there, exactly. winter jumpers. Exactly. Co- okay, brilliant. Exactly. Okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, now, paint. I'm thinking colour. I, I had, um, uh, I grew up with a, a brother who decided to p- paint all his walls black when he became a teenager. Oh, and to gosh. my mother's credit, she let him. Because she figured he tired of it more than he would. And I had uh, one of my kids uh, is very artistic and she painted a fabulous 
incredible big owl mural Fabulous. all over one wall. It, yeah. w- it was lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when we went to sell the house, the whole thing had to be painted over and she was very upset. Yeah. So what kind of creativity can a, the child bring to that space? Would you say give them carte blanche or or? I think because it's, they are living under your roof. And there are obviously house rules and all that sort of stuff. I think it's really important that you you collaborate on this with your teenager. You sit down, you make a plan, you look at what you can keep, what you can replace, ask them, encourage them to make up their own mood board, see what you can afford, give them a budget. You know, treat them like a mini adult and and, and try and work on, on achieving something that you're happy with and, and that they're happy with tap, and something that taps into their personality. And you know somewhere that they're going to absolutely love. So yeah, okay. If they want to have dark black walls, it's there's very little you can do. But there are ways you can kind of contrast that. Perhaps on your window treatments, you can have a nice contrasting window treatment that you might feel happier about. Maybe the furniture can be in a lovely warm wood finish, which will take the edge off that black mm. on the wall. So there are ways to kind of work with it. But definitely make a plan. Get a Pinterest page on board. Get them involved. Get your minds thinking. Get a budget in place. Maybe you don't have to throw out everything. Maybe mm. you can work with some of the pieces that are there. Most yeah, people try and I mean, do that. And listen, there's no reason you can't um, buy a, a, a you know, bit of sandpaper and a pot of paint and say to your child, upcycle that uh, chest of drawers yeah. there and paint whatever colour you want. Yeah, totally. Okay, all right. Now, um, they have to be durable. Uh, you know, these are teenagers. They're coming in. They're going to throw time. their bag and the thing, chuck down things you know, sit yes. down at the desk, yep. push all their books out. So in terms of fabrics and wood, we, we are looking at durability. Oh, absolutely. Anything that's washable, durable, mm. um, bleach cleanable. Um, like there's great kind of carpets on the market now, synthetics that are bleach cleanable. Really highly recommend them. Laminate flooring all the way uh, with a soundproof underlay. Oh, right. Okay. And that's really great. And I'm, I'm actually not teasing about the, the false tan. That's a real problem. Is For it? a lot of parents, Yeah. Uh, so you don't want a nice pale no, carpet? No, Okay. No, and then and we get a lot of girls that would love that kind of really light blush tone bedroom and it's actually gorgeous. It's moving away from the Barbie pinks and more into the sophisticated, mm. you know, warmer pinks and that's a big trend with lighter tones on the carpeting. Disaster for false tan. So, and makeup and, you know, experimenting with all sorts. So okay. it's just, you have to be mindful of all these things. So keep your floor, whatever that is, flooring, laminate or carpeting, super du- durable. Right. Keep your headboard fabric very durable as well. Just somewhere, somewhere where you can kind of scrub Easy it down and wash the, it off. for the cleaning. Yeah. Okay, good call, good call. All right. And um, of course, they'll want the pals over. So of it course. all has to look fabulous. Do you find that they are, they're, the girls in particular, they're going for all the cushion? Oh, yeah. Because we had this discussion on the show before, Arlene, about how many pillows and cushions is too many. You're, you're kind of like there's no such number. You know? <laughs> no, no. And a lot and a lot of people are really allergic to scattered cushions. But they do add in the finishing touches. Yeah. They really, really yeah. do. And like they see they them be... on these American shows oh and movies God. where every ch- every teenager in, Amer- in an American movie seems to have a vast bedroom with I know. tons of space. I know, I know. <laughs> and it's the whole idea. I have one client and she's like, do I really have to take all of these cushions down every night and then reassemble them and position them every night. And I'm like, yes, yeah, you yes, do. that's the deal. That's what you wanted. That's what you signed up for. So, yeah, you've got to put the muscle in. OK, uh, now, uh, mess. We can't avoid it. Uh, teenagers, part of the job description yes. is to create a mess. And uh, I'm, I'm not kind of singling out the boys here, but do you find there's a difference between the boys and girls? Maybe the girls are messier. Oh, very. They have more stuff. Yeah, yeah. 
yeah, you can see like empty uh, Fanta bottles everywhere, poured over, under the bed, around the bed, in the bed, you know, sweets, chocolate. Nagana vodka, the older they get. Oh, yeah, (laughs) definitely. Right. But like, I have to say number one would be Falstan. I have, it has come up in every meeting. Okay. With with girl with teenage girls, right? Okay, yeah. gosh, uh, things you don't have to think about, um, <laughs> yes. right? Okay, so it it really is about bringing bringing your teen with you yeah. through this, collaborate thing with them, and, and letting them know this is the stuff you've come up with in previous projects. This is what happens, and how are you planning on exactly? And work with them on it. Try and have fun. Definitely get them involved. Have a look at what their ideas are. Get them onto Pinterest. Make yeah. it a really cool project for them and for you. Yeah. And try and, and, and do it together. I think, you know, you'll achieve the best results. Yeah. And maybe if you're on the same team. like getting your kids interested in cooking. The more they do of it themselves, the more inclined they yeah. are. Yeah. And it's their it. chance to kind of add in their own, you know, personality to this space. So yeah. in fairness to them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, listen, if you have any tales, horror or otherwise, of, of creating your teenage bedroom, maybe you don't go into it anymore. I think that's probably a top tip for parents until you run out of cutlery and delve downstairs. Good laundry go baskets. Your, your kids' rooms, lots of laundry baskets. Uh, if you have any tips for us on that, well, then do get them into us at uh, the home show at newstalk.com. If you can bear to send a photograph, do that too. Right. Arlene McIntyre, thanks a million Thank for you, all of that. And people can find Arlene on Ventura Design. And that's all we have time for on the latest episode of the Home Show podcast. Thank you so much for listening to us uh, today and uh, a shout out and a thank you to our new 7,000 live listeners on a Saturday morning. We're absolutely delighted because of all the suggestions that you give us that we can feature on the show and make it a better experience for everybody. So whether you're listening on the radio or you're listening on podcast, we are only delighted to have you along. If you have a topic or guest you'd like us to have on, Email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. Uh, thanks to Aoife Breen producing, Stephen McLoon on sound, and we'll do it all again next time. The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. With Colour Trend Paint on News Talk.